You are listening to the Theological Treasury podcast, where we are committed to diving deep into the history of the Christian faith and exploring the treasury of theological truths from down the centuries to best equip the church today to be able to engage with the church and its theology in every era of its existence to nourish the church with the exploration of theological truth. Join us as we grow together in this journey to explore the much neglected theological treasury. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Theological Treasury Podcast. I'm here with a fantastic friend of mine. We're here with Patrick. Say hello, Patrick. Hello, everyone. Nice to be here, Ethan. Mate, so great to have you. Uh, I wonder if we could just kind of start off by having you introduce who you are and uh, how you've got to where you are today in your faith journey. Yeah, so I'm Patrick. I'm 22. Um, I've just recently graduated from the London School of Theology, where I met Ethan um and i graduated from theology music and worship course so that was quite a journey um i wouldn't trade the three years for anything really it was an amazing time an amazing experience you know preparing theologically but also in terms of um of theology too um and and worship and learning about music and so it was just an amazing experience as, as a whole really awesome mate awesome and so were you born into the faith Do you come from a christian family what why don't you give us a, a uh, give us a bit of detail to kind of your uh, your life in the faith yeah so I grew up in the faith I grew up in church um, ever since I remember myself as a as a as a human really I was always a Christian um, and music came in in a very early early stage I guess from my from my teenage years um, you know always loved worship always loved the aspect of of um, singing songs that were inspired by the word of God and so that was a very very important um, thing for me um, and so, yeah, ever since I, I know myself, I have always kind of been, been, been a Christian and yeah. Patrick, that's awesome. And for those of you that don't know, don't know Patrick, like I do, Patrick is such an awesome guy. He's such a chill dude. And it's been an absolute pleasure to, uh, be able Dude, to be bro, in with Patrick. But I, I, I came into LSC when I was, was I was first, I was, I came in first year when Patrick was uh, in his third year. So I had the pleasure of studying alongside Patrick for a year and it's been an absolute pleasure. But Patrick, thank you so much for being on. And today we're talking about worship. Worship, that's the one. We're talking about worship. What is it? How does it work? And Patrick, I wonder if we could just kind of begin by kind of just uh, having you uh, talk about what worship is. Because I think a large microcosm, a large, the majority of the church, um, usually they kind of, they understand worship within the context of music and instruments and songs so i wonder if you could kind of go into a bit a de- uh, some detail about what worship actually is and why it supersedes just the musical element to it sure sure um and you're right i think is a is it's a big misconception this idea that worship is a syn- synonymous to music um i think we can say i think we can agree uh, that music is not exclusively um the only way of worshiping right and i think people sometimes play it as a synonym right as if worship is music and music is worship we can i think a helpful way of putting is that music is a form or an expression of worship right it's not the only way so even when we use terms in church and we say um let's start a time of worship i think uh, i've come to learn over the years that a more helpful way perhaps would be to say that we will start a time of sung worship a time of musical worship uh, because that doesn't only say that doesn't only limit worship to music and it's, it's a clear vocabulary right it's clear uh, it's a more um, clear way of saying it I think which makes it easier for people to understand right no absolutely and I think one of the um, 
we both uh, we both have been uh, worship leaders in our times as Christians or mm-hmm. song worship leaders, as I prefer to say, yeah. largely because I think worship embodies an element of not just being being sung or playing instruments or kind of right, being right. behind it, but it's also outside outside of the the, the confines of a Sunday congregation. Right. You know, worship is kind of the the way in which we live our lives to the glory of God, and it's our witness. And Paul expresses this massively in the in the um, in the book of Second Timothy about the importance of good witness, and even in First Timothy as well. And and I think what you say is fantastic about the idea, kind of being, and and as us, us as worship leaders, well, as sung worship leaders, I think the real worship leaders, I think we could both agree, are the pastors and the mm-hmm. leading the service. Because worship, if we're going to say that worship encomp- uh, encompasses the entire life of the believer. Oh, sure, sure. Rather than just that microcosm of, of singing or dancing or music or whatnot, uh, then I think we kind of miss a really important element to worship in that the idea being that only the only people that can lead worship are people in music. Whereas yeah. you, you lead your own life of worship to the Lord in the way in which you live your life and you do it in communion with the rest of the church. And But that doesn't mean necessarily that we exclude the importance of using mu- uh, music in our worship and and Patrick, you're part of a well. I guess you could say you're part of a little band amongst you and your um, you and your siblings, and and you obviously being uh, That's right. obviously recently graduating uh, in a was it a BA in a BA with honors in music, theology, and worship? Is that right? That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Theology and worship. You obviously understand the importance of music within the context of worship. So I wonder if you could kind of give us the importance of music in the context of, of worship and and. Uh, why it helps the believers be able to strengthen their faith. Mm. I think one of my goal to um, Bible verses when it comes to the importance of, of um, music in our, in our worship, in our daily lives, I think it's definitely Colossians 3.16, um, where, where the, the advice of Paul is to let the message of Christ dwell richly at, among you. And it's interesting how Paul goes, goes on um, to, um, you know, he carries on this verse and he says, let the word of Christ dwell richly in you through what? Through psalms, hymns and songs or spiritual songs. And I think that is so important because we draw so much of what we know as Christians from what we sing. And I've recently, it's interesting that, um, you know, Ethan spoke to me a few few weeks ago and I've been on a journey recently of only listening to hymns. I think 90% over the past month of what I've been listening to has been almost exclusively only hymns. And it's been, I've always loved hymns, but I think in this time where I've been intensely just listening almost exclusively to hymns, it's just so powerful the way that it can shape you and the way you see God and the way you see the world. When you're singing songs that are, you know, purely based on scripture, you're, you're literally singing scripture, you know, and I think it's so powerful. It's extremely powerful. And so I can see this, that this sort of what Paul is saying here is just like, it's so true because it does really shape us. And it's a powerful way of, you know, taking in the words of scripture. No, absolutely. And I think that's one of the kind of the weaknesses with contemporary worship. It's, it's not that the contemporary worship you, uh, songs from people like uh, controversial teaching churches like Hillsong or Bethel, it's not that the, the songs are necessarily bad, but it's, and, uh, it's more because of the fact that with hymns, there is no kind of, there's no, there's no question you're going to go wrong. Right. Because a lot of right. the times, a lot of the hymnals in more traditional churches will be psalms and you'll literally be singing in psalms, as you said. And, and psalms, I think, yeah. yeah, exactly. And with contemporary worship music, I don't think there's necessarily an issue with singing contemporary worship music so long as we recognise the theology of the songs we're singing. And right. I find myself, a lot of the time, I'll be singing these worship songs and I'll be so kind of 
taken up in kind of wanting to worship the Lord and give him my praise in, in every single sort of expression I can, that I'll forget the lyrics I'm actually singing. I'll go back, I'll run to my head and be like, oh, I'm not sure if I wanted to say that or not. You know, it's, we, we kind of, we, there's a lack of testing when it comes to specific songs. And we like listening to songs because they sound great and they've got a nice bass line, yeah. got a nice kind of little guitar solo. You know, that's not kind of, you know, whilst that is very complimentary to the way in which we express ourselves as a form of and an act of worship, it's much more important to focus on what we're singing as well. However, yeah, okay. the, I think what the, especially the Reformed Church does wrong, I think, is they focus so solely on that that they forget the heart of worship. And I've seen a lot yeah. of this with their criticism of Hillsong and their teaching, which I do agree with. I'm not a fan of Hillsong's teaching, but I think that a lot of the, a lot of them they will they will criticize Hillsong and their teaching and the people within Hillsong that are being deceived. But when I and I've been going to Hillsong, I went to Hillsong for a few weeks recently. And obviously I'm sitting through the sermon and I'm not a fan, but I'm, I'm standing in worship and I'm seeing all these hands lifted, all these hands raised, people giving mm. their heart to God. And I'm like, this is a congregation that loves God. It's a huge congregation, yeah. but they love God with all their heart and they're singing their praises. And I think God has, God is a merciful God and he sees the heart. And I think one of the biggest things mm. uh, I think in the church is the fact that people will believe what their church teaches them because they've not been mm. rightly taught to test. And so what they think they're singing is right may be wrong in an objective sense of kind of a theological study, but it's what their church has taught them and it's what they know. And I think we need to kind of lay off the blame. And I wonder, speaking about specific churches, I wonder in your experience and with your recent recent uh, degree in kind of specializing in music and worship, I wonder if you could kind of talk about where you feel the church is, what you feel the church is doing right or doing good at, what you what you think the church is and what you think the church is doing wrong or where, where you think the church could be a lot better at. Sure. I mean, just touching on what you mentioned about the big churches, I think there is a certain divide in the church as you completely dismiss what they do. And I think we can all agree that um, we wouldn't agree with everything they say theologically. And I think, you know, as we're saying now, the importance of good theology in the church is very, very crucial. Um, so I am with you. I would, you know, be a little bit more cautious when when approaching, especially mega churches, because of the structure and in trying to reach the masses. Sometimes you compromise the the truth in trying to reach a bigger, bigger public. But I think, as you said, I think a big part of worship is is the heart that is behind it, right? Um, and I think it's always been like this, even throughout the Old Testament. I think we sometimes have a misinterpretation that the Old Testament was all about ritual, was all about kind of like people just doing uh, you know things about the external. But it's it's interesting. And I was reading just recently about Amos in the book of Amos where God is saying I hate your music I don't want to hear your music because you you have gone astray from me and that is so powerful because God is not this God that suddenly changed and the New Testament he's all about the heart but the Old Testament he's all about oh uh, you know that is God has always been the same and God was always you know really caring for our hearts and for sincere worship and so I see that that is the important thing as you as you're saying I think that is when people can easily say oh but they're not real Christians or you know it's all and I think it's it's a bit it's, it's quite dangerous for us to kind of go there and say that but you know answering maybe going back to your question more specifically I think that um Maybe an important thing for the church to think about would be the theology of what we're singing would be, I think, emotionalism today is quite a big thing in church right. where people tend to. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I think well, I like my emotionalism. I mean, it's it's 
it's one of those things I think where the church does go wrong with emotionalism and things like that is uh, you've got one church that's very much one kind of side of it that's very much like oh I want to be guided by my, my emotions and I'll allow the ambience and that to do it but yeah. at the same time you've got another part of the, another like significant microcosm of the church is very much like emotions are these terrible things and you shouldn't no 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 emotions are part of the fact that we've been created in the image of god yes they should not lead the way in which we that we should do our theology or should worship god but at the same time they are there they have been given to us by god as expressions of worship and we see this in in the psalms psalms of lament psalms of praise psalms of thanksgiving they are they are you know even in the psalms of lament people like and especially with jeremiah when he wrote the book the book of lamentations the fact being that God, uh, Jeremiah was expressing his worship to God in the context, in the form of lament, and saying, "Even mm-hmm. though this terrible thing is happening, yet I will still worship you." When emotions are so valuable and they're so valid, and this, and you know, they bring value to the individual because every mm-hmm. single person's emotions are valid, irrespective of whether or not you agree with them. And I think that's mm-hmm. where a very sort of a political age comes into it. The idea, of kind of facts over feelings. No one cares about your feelings as long as data and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the kind of the church goes wrong with it. But I wonder, um, in your in your experience, you can kind of talk more about that kind of emotionalism, about kind of the guiding of emotions versus allowing emotions to supplement worship. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was reading a book recently by Bob Coughlin. He's quite a big guy, uh, when, a big name when it comes to, to worship. And he says that one of the dangers is that music can move us emotionally, but that doesn't mean that it changes us spiritually. Right. And so I think it's, and I think that's quite a valid point, you know, um, my dissertation, I touched a little bit on the, on the idea of emotion in worship. And I think that can be quite a big danger to kind of pretty much base your life. And I know I've listened, um, you know, I listened to the podcast too. So I know Ethan's been going through kind of like the theological method, let's go. Um, and, you know, our theology, <laughs> our theology, our life as Christians, our lives as Christians shouldn't be based solely on experience, right? That should be a part of, but that shouldn't be the center of our Christian life. And so I think sometimes it's very dangerous for people to kind of focus their lives on experience with God and, and you know, experiencing God through worship. And I think that that is possible because I think like, you know, Paul's advice to fill yourself up Um through through music and through you know being filled with the spirit through music i think that's powerful advice but at the same time it can become quite a dangerous thing when christians make music the center of their life with god because and i've been through times in my life where music just wasn't sufficient where i listen to worship and i'm like god uh, it doesn't seem to be enough because you know reality we should be leaning back to scripture of course and and community and fellowship and all these things they all are part of and so I think that can be quite a quite a, um, a dangerous. And I, th- I think the criticism for the bigger churches is that the emphasis and even for what they're known of is worship. Everything kind of worship is central to everything. The music aspect of things becomes very sung worship is very central. And we tend to forget to scripture and other things that will and, you know, um, that should be part of our Christian lives too. Right. No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I, I think, you know, God has given us specific talents. Like he gave, He's given people talents with specific musical instruments, giving uh, giving people talents with their voices, and we're called to use those in uh, in the context of being able to worship. But I think if we're to understand the heart in people's worship, we can't just purely look at the musical aspect in the context of a Sunday song worship session. We look at the heart of believer in their life. John fifteen is quite clear. You shall know that. Well, somewhere Jesus is quite clear. I'm not sure if it's John fifteen, but somewhere Jesus is quite clear that you shall know them by their fruits. 
yeah, yeah. And that's where that's where the fruits come from the heart of the changed life of the believer and that is the act of worship the act of worship is giving your heart giving everything to god even when peter says cast your anxieties onto christ because he cares for you that's an aspect of worship because you're laying down the very things you care about and are worried about onto the one who takes those away and whose yoke is life and whose burden who put yoke and burden are life and, and mm. i think that one of the things that i think the church really needs to understand when it comes to worship is that you know, the idea like like you said earlier music and 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 worship are not synonymous one is supplementary of the other but one is, yeah. a huge, is like the entire life experience of the believer you know and it's like the and it's when paul says um uh whether you drink or whether you eat do it all for the glory of god you know it's mm. do it all yeah. for the glory of god our worship is for the glory of god and everything but at the same time i think there's an element of worship to which we are to build up the church um, mm. I think if we're to talk about worship in the context of being the life of the believer, whenever I have dis uh, theological discussions with people, whenever I have debates with people, I had a debate with a friend of mine the other day about a Catholic doctrine. I think he's wrong, but you know, the, the, you know, that's a, um, I was in I was in defense of the Catholic doctrine. But again, I think you know. But then even that, because I'm building up my brother and he's building up me, and I'm building up other yeah, people. Sure. Me, me, that's the way in which worship is both. And I'm going to be very careful here. Worship is both horizontal uh, vertical in that we give it to god but it's also vertical uh in the sense uh, horizontal in the sense that through our worship to god we build each other up because we do it in communion not just with each other but also with the church who's already with christ in heaven and will yeah. be with us in new creation and so i think i think obviously and i think what is one of the things you wish the church you did personally so what, one of the, what is one of the things you personally wish the church did um, to uh, to really kind of encourage uh, not better worship, but a better understanding of what worship is and the way in which it can be expressed in the life, not just of the believer as an individual, but as a kind of the corporate congregation, the corporate church? For me recently, one of the things that really shapes my understanding of worship, and we don't always have to go to the Greek to understand things better, but sometimes it does help us a little bit for us to kind of understand things. And um, the, the word that is most often translated as worship in our Bibles in English is the word proskunio, right? It's the Greek word, uh, which um, happens both in the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, and then in the New Testament too. And that is the word that is most used for our English word of worship. And that word means to revere, like to honor, to fall down, uh, to prostrate, which all of these things speak of a very physical act of living out a life. And I think sometimes I think it's, it's helpful to say that worship is about the heart because it is. Uh, but at the same time, worship is also living out. It's a life that is lived out in the external way, like you're saying, building up and in conversations and, um, you know, in, in doing something for Christ in a way that is visible. And I think that to kind of, and again, it comes back to the idea that everything nowadays seems to be so polarized. It's like it's either this or that. But I think, yes, it's about the heart entirely where uh, Christ is looking at the deepest um, intention of my heart. And, you know, he calls out the, 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 the teachers for saying, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. But at the same time, as you, I think you put it brilliantly, there is a big aspect that worship is also about the living out. And, and you know, the, the, the actual word means to, to fall down. These are all very physical attributes, physical things that we do. So I think that worship just encompasses such a bigger, bigger spectrum than we can think. Um, and I think a great example of this um, is when Abraham goes up to sacrifice Isaac. And as he goes up the mountain, um, 
he's here about to sacrifice his son, which I think is like, really? And he tells the servant, I'm going to go up there to worship God. And you're like, wait, but is he just going up to sacrifice his son and he's saying he's going to worship? Because worship is also obedience. It's also a life that is lived out to um, to honor God. And I think sometimes when we use, like we were saying in the beginning, when you use things like, oh, we're going to go into a time of worship, we're pretty much worshiping into a, into a little box and saying worship is this, worship is this time. What Worship is not periodic. Worship is, you know, from the time we wake up in the morning and we, we read scripture, I'm saying, God, I'm honoring you through this. I want to live a life for you. So I'm reading this out. And that is an act of worship, right? And so I think this is important. I think it really shapes our understanding of worship. It takes it out of that little box we put worship in and just say, God, everything that I intend to do with my life is, is intending to give you worth and value and put you in that number one place in my life. That's so good. And I think that is kind of, that encompasses the idea of the necessity of obedience. Um, Jesus yeah. is very clear in John 15 about the, those who are not obedient to remain in the vine are cut off because they don't mm. bear fruit. And that fruit is from that heart of obedience to the Lord, which is obviously changed by the Lord. But, but yeah. I, think, I think one of the most important things that the church could focus on as well is understanding the necessity of obedience. And I think this, uh, yes. if you don't, for those who haven't heard my last podcast, go talk about it, uh, go listen, uh, listen to it. You go talk about it as well, but go listen to it. <laughs> uh, I talk a, a bit about kind of the necessity of works in, in that process of salvation and say, and I kind of say, it's not necessary in the sense that it earns anything or justifies us in any way apart from the grace of God or by our, by our own works or earns the grace in which salvation is given or salvation itself but it's it's purely down to the fact that we have been commanded to be obedient and mm. and being obedient is to love god and love your neighbor sure. and I think being obedient as well is again it's, it's a command jesus commands us to be obedient therefore it is in a sense necessary and i think yeah. the church could really emphasize the necessity of obedience i think largely and especially with the protestant church today i think they have a real they have a real tough time and they're quite afraid to talk about things like works and obedience uh, for mm. fear of kind of being ostracized by their, their Protestant brothers and sisters or outcasts for saying, oh, you, so you think obedience is necessary. And I'm kind of sitting here like, yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. I will, I will die on that hill because the Bible does um, as well. You know, the Bible dies on the hill of necessity is, is uh, obedience is necessary. And I think the church doesn't really talk about it that much because I think we talk about obedience in the sense of, oh, we're called to be obedient, but it's not necessary for salvation. No, 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 no. Obedience is necessary for salvation because I have a very hard time. Yeah, I have a very hard time believing that. Um, I think because I think the idea that obedience isn't necessary in a sense for salvation would encompass a Romans 6, 1 attitude. So what then? May you go on sending the grace may abound? And he exhorts us to work. That's the entire point of, the, of Romans 12 to 16. Work, work, work. This is the Christian life. This is how you live it out. It's and working out. Yeah, yeah. Working exactly. out your salvation. Yeah, exactly. That, Philippians 2, 12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Romans, mm. uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, talks about kind of Paul beating his body and making it his slave that he, so that he can finish the race and win that imperishable wreath of eternity. And, and I think that falls into worship because it's the expression by which we give worship to God through our obedience. And it's, the way in which we witness to others i think i can be a witness i am a witness to everyone that is not a christian at, and to other christians my my life lived out is witness i don't need to speak to someone specifically to witness to them my life lived out for the glory of god and in obedience to christ and his commands 
as John 15 says, is worship. And I think mm-hmm. we, we misunderstand that for the sake of, you know, oh, let's go into a time of worship, la, 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 you know, and it's, it's great. Yeah. Well, a lot of time of sung worship, but that's not purely what worship is. And if you mm. understand sung worship to be the way in which wor- worship is expressed, then you're going to miss a pure richness of the Christian life and everything that's encompassed with it. And so, Patrick, as we close off this, uh, we close off this episode, I want to thank you so much having you on. Is there anything you'd like to leave with people before we uh, end this episode? Any advice, any, um, any tips on how to kind of grow in your faith through the context of worship or uh, sung worship? Anything, mate, absolutely anything. Well, since we don't really know the kind of audience, and you know, it might be reaching everyone, those who are worship leaders or non-worship leaders or, you know, just just a Christian. I think that the, the uh, uh, so I think that a very, a very helpful way of understanding this, I think that has shaped my my life, really, and the way I, I view God and, and worship, I think, is is really understanding that worship is much, much bigger than music. Um, and I think that we can we can worship God through a life of devotion, through a life where we give ourselves over to God. Yeah, so I really like the the definition that Harold gave, and he says that worship is the continuous outpouring of all that I am and all that I do and all that I can ever become to God, which doesn't put worship in a place of just on a Sunday thing or just on a Saturday thing whenever you do church, but it just puts worship in a place of God. Everything that I am becoming, everything that I am is, um, you know, I'm willing to give that over to you as worship, my obedience. And I think sometimes it can seem quite paradoxical of you ever trying to put the concept of worship and obedience together. But I think it is quite an important thing to do because our whole life, it's, it's what we aim to do, to say, God, let my life be worshipped to you. You know, so I think, um, yeah, I think really transforms the way we, we, we do the Christian life when we live out the Christian life is understanding that in everything that we do, we intend to worship God and to give him the glory. Mate, that's so true. That's so great. I really love that definition. I'm going to put that definition in the description and bottom of the Spotify description mm. of the podcast. That's fantastic. You need to say that to me after. But Patrick, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your presence here and to talk about uh, worship and in its entirety rather than just its musical context, but also even touching on its musical context. But Patrick, where can we find you? Have you got any songs? Do you have an Instagram account? Do you have a Twitter? Whatever? Where yeah. can we find you? Yeah, bro. I do have, I do have an Instagram account uh well like ethan said we have the we have our worship band we have a worship ministry which is opposite way official uh and there's like the, the ministry in ministry page and um my own page is it's patrick souza on instagram and yeah that's where about you you'll find me solid patrick thank you so much mate for coming on really appreciate you being here and guys thank you so much for tuning in really appreciate you appreciate you guys coming in to listen uh do go and share the podcast uh with a friend if they may benefit and guys join us next week on the theological treasury podcast where we will have a friend on to talk about evangelism and uh give us an idea as to the importance of evangelism in a 21st century context god bless guys go with god Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Theological Treasury Podcast. I sincerely hope that you've enjoyed this episode and pray that it challenges you to think about where you are and where you should be with regards to theology in your walk with God. It certainly makes me think every single day. Now feel free to connect with me on Instagram at mastermind and the A is an X, so it's M-X-S-T-E-R-M-I-N-D and share your feedback and what you'd like to hear from this podcast. Please share this around so that others may benefit from this podcast. I hope and pray that you're all doing well in this season. Go with God, friends.